When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for joining me today for the Janice Dean Podcast. My guest is the lovely and talented Fox Weather meteorologist, Britta Merwin. Britta joined Fox Weather in 2021 as one of our first on-camera meteorologists and co-anchor of their signature morning show, Fox Weather Sunrise. Britta is one of those people that can bring a smile to anyone's face. She's got such a sunny disposition. I've gotten to know her personally over the last year and a half, and I can tell you not only is she smart and beautiful inside and out, but she has her priorities straight, which is sometimes a little hard to find in this bizarre business of television. She's lived in many different cities, which she tells us about. And even though career is very important to Britta, her priority is her family. She is a passionate advocate for the autism community, being a mom of a boy who lives with autism. And since April is Autism Awareness Month, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for all of you to get to know my good friend, Britta Merwin. Britta Merwin, you made the Dean's List. I'm so excited. This I've is been your waiting. first po- podcast you told me. This is my very first podcast. I'm excited to finally make the Dean's List. Oh, of course. Well, it's long overdue. And well, that's very sweet. But I have to say this has like an added layer because I I'm not even kidding. As I started studying meteorology, I just loved watching your work. Aww. And so when it came to Fox, I was already kind of like a, a super freak Janice Dean fan. <laughs> and then when I'm like, I finally met you, I remember my first week you invited me just to get coffee and tea. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm having breakfast with Janice Dean. <laughs> but you didn't tell me that at the time. No, I had to play it cool. Aww. And now I feel like since I've been in the office, and you know, now it'll be two years, uh, the end of June, which is kind of crazy to think that. Now it's now it seems normal. Well, but. you said that, and I have to admit <laughs> that it I, it does make me blush because I just can't. It's it's very flattering. Uh, I don't quite know how to handle it because I was going to say, how do you feel? Because I'm I know I'm not the only one that has said that to you. I mean, you're an inspiration to a lot of people, but specifically women in meteorology. I think yeah. very much look up to you. It's a hard place to be sometimes for a woman. And so I've been here for 20 years now. Uh, January will be my 20th year. And I and I want to talk about your career. I got into it kind of backwards. I took journalism. I was in radio for a lot of my time. I did weather on the side. Uh, and at the time, you didn't need the the education, mm-hmm. right? I was a weather presenter in Canada. I was filled in for the meteorologist then. Uh, and, you know, they thought I was good on television. I was a good communicator. Big piece of it. Of course. And so I went backwards because I did it 
when I first got out of college, uh, filling in for the meteorologist. And then when I came to Fox and they didn't quite know where to put me because they had already an entertainment person, they had enough news people. And I wasn't really a news people person to begin with either. I didn't think of myself as, you know, somebody that was an anchor person. Um, and I just remember someone saying, well, have you done the weather before? And I was like, Hmm. A long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but I said, yeah. And then I was hired and then I went back to school and took Mississippi State, which is where a lot of us got our meteorology, broadcast meteorology experience. Yeah, it's great school. I did that while I was working. It took me three years. I remember it was intense. Uh, but I'm so glad that I did that. Um so that's kind of how I got into it. I'm, I'm so grateful. But for you, I mean, this is something that you knew you wanted to do from a young age, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, so I, tell me. <laughs> I was one of those kids. I mean, first of all, I, I've lived so many places. In fact, I guess on the Fox Weather staff, I win the list for the most cities one person has lived oh, in. Oh, tell me. Give me the I, rundown. I think I'm up to 13. So I, I was born in San Antonio, Texas, moved to England because my dad is a retired colonel in the Air Force. Uh, big thank you to my family, by the way. I come from a huge military family. I love that about We have you. somebody that has served or is serving in every branch. Wow. So very oh, proud. Greta, that's very amazing. proud of everybody. Yeah, it's a big part of my heart. Uh, so spent a little time in England. Then we went to Colorado. Uh, I lived in Monument, Colorado, which is outside of the Springs when he was at the Academy. And then moved up to Littleton, Colorado. That's kind of where I had middle school and high school. And then I came out east for college. And so I went to Stony Brook University on Long Island. Did not realize that as a commuter school. Showed up. And first weekend, everybody left. I was like, where? So where is everybody? They're like, um, did you notice this is a commuter school? I was like, no, I'm from Colorado. So, you know, definitely learned that experience. And then from... Long Island, I moved to New Jersey. Okay. Uh, from New Jersey, got married, married a great Jersey guy. And then we went out to California, Michigan, Florida, because he served in the Coast Guard. So wow. big hats off to my husband. He's, you know, no longer active duty, but so proud of his time in the Coast Guard. And then when we left Michigan and he got out of the service, we went to Houston. Okay. And we were in Houston for. For seven years wow. before coming back here. And were you a meteorologist in a lot of those cities then? Uh, yes, I did take off three years from my career when we were transferring so much with the Coast Guard and so many military spouses. And hopefully, you know, some of them listen to this and, and, and feel a little camaraderie. There's a lot of spouses that give up their careers because of their spouse that is in the service, yes. uh, whether they are male or female, you know, being the support spouse to an in-service member, it is very hard to keep your career. And I find myself very blessed that I was able to get back into it. And so I did take three years out. We focused on what was going on uh, with my husband's military career. And that's when I had two of my three kids. Yes. So kind of just focused on being a mom. And then when he left the service, I, I deeply love my career. I mean, this is something that I have dreamed about doing since I was eight. 
And so I was excited to get back into it. And my husband's been a stay-at-home dad since we made the transition. I love that. And it's nice because we both had the perspective. I was a stay-at-home mom. Yep. He's been a stay-at-home dad. And so I think it gives us a unique opportunity in our marriage and partnership because we know the struggles of both. It's hard to be the working parent. It is hard to be the stay-at-home parent. Yes. It's hard to be the parent that does both. And it's hard to be the parent that does just one of those jobs. Yeah. I'm about to enter that phase right now. My husband's retiring this year, 27 years with the fire department. thanks for his service. Yeah, he he's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is that weight on the person who is working every day. Like, okay, you know, I've got to, I'm, I'm bringing home the bacon, right? Yeah. And even though he, you know, ha- because of his service and he has uh, a wonderful pension, um, you know, we can't live on that living in New York, unfortunately. Um, so I have to kind of wear that hat. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, it is quite an undertaking, but I'm so grateful because I've had a great career here and they're so supportive. So tell me about an event that happened that made you want to be a meteorologist. Was there a specific storm? Uh, I think it was just everything I saw around me. I mean, Colorado, it is one of those cool, freaky places. They, they do say blink and it's a different season. Yeah. It's crazy. I have seen snow in the mountains in July. I've been the one that my favorite thing is to take people that are not from Colorado up to Rocky Mountain National Park in the middle of summer because they go up in shorts and a T-shirt and then they quickly realize I'm freezing (laughs) (laughs) because you climb up so high in elevation. It's kind of a mean trick, but I will let you know if I ever take you home. That's the trick I'm going to play on you. Well, then it can't be a trick because I'll know to bring some winter clothing. That's true. And I don't think I'd be able to trick you. Usually it's non-weather people that fall for it. Um, But, you know, I just I grew up seeing amazing weather. I do remember going through tornado warnings as a kid and my mom telling us to go down to the basement. And that's really my first memory of weather impacting my life was having to go down to the basement. And I remember my brother and I, we I, I come from, you know, three siblings, my older sister. I'm in the middle of my little brother. And Alex and I were so passionate about the weather. And we'd be like crawling up the steps and we're like, what's going on? My mom would be like, get back downstairs. <laughs> and she would come down with like SpaghettiOs. And for some reason, that was like the dinner that we would have oh, when we were stuck I, I in the basement with severe weather. It was right. like she could quickly make it, bring it down. And then everybody could be in the safe spot when the storms were rolling through. And so that was really my first memory. But I loved, um, you know, going outside and watching wall clouds. And my favorite thing to do was I would make these makeshift ships for my Barbie dolls. And I would attach her to the raft and send her down the ditch in the stormwater. And I just, I loved the process of, A, making the ship, but also seeing, like, is it going to work? So I've always kind of had that kind of a mindset. And I decided, you know— when I was in second grade, we had this meteorologist come to my school and he gave this whole presentation. And that's what made me realize, wow, what I already like is actually a job. Wow. And so I've spent a lot of time, especially with my time in Houston, talking to kids because if if he had never come to my school, I might not have known it was a job. Wow. I might just have been like, wow, okay, I'll, I like the weather. Yeah. But I wouldn't have known that it was an opportunity for me. And that was the first time that I realized that what I was passionate about was a job. And that's when I made up my mind. I literally wrote my mom a letter. I was like, when I grow up, I want to be a mommy and a meteorologist. (laughs) And, you know, I feel really blessed that I've, I've succeeded at both of them. Yeah. 
And I and I do. I love the weather. I I love the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Stony Brook University on Long Island for a specific reason. I actually applied to one college. Okay. Not sure if they realized that. I'm glad that SUNY said, "Come on, come on <laughs> over from Colorado and come come stay with us." But um, you know, I picked their program because it's rather small. Because um, if you get a traditional four year bachelor's of science in atmospheric sciences, it is extremely challenging. I mean, yeah. you're talking about four years of calculus, yep. four years of applied science. Mm-hmm. It and I just felt like if if I went to a bigger program, which we have amazing programs in in America. I mean, you got Penn State, FSU, OU, some really big hitters. I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to cut the math. I I knew yeah. that I needed a small program where I could get really hands-on and we're talking some of my some of my meteorology classes I had like six people in them oh so it was wow. great like that when is. I had questions I could really get one-on-one help and um I think that's you know what I really like to pass along to people um that are interested in the field is I tell them don't be scared if something's hard because I'm not a math person yeah I really struggled with the math portion. Thermodynamics. Ooh, everything is so heavy, but it was worth it was worth getting through it. Yeah, I had to have tutors too because, mm-hmm. you know, jump certainly jumping back into it in my while mid-30s. you have another job. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> and balancing tough. family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And listen, you're right, and you have to kind of decide what works for you. Uh when I was I went to journalism school uh, and and it was a five-year program and I got really frustrated because the stuff I really wanted to do, get out in the field, write a report, um, I, that wasn't happening until fifth, fourth or fifth year. And I was like, I want to do this now. <laughs> so I Let actually, do it. and I don't, you know, I don't advise people to do this, but I quit because I was so frustrated. My parents were absolutely shocked and appalled uh, and and very worried. And I took a year off and went to California for a little while. And then a friend of mine sat me down and said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I really want to be a broadcaster, um, but I don't want to be in school for five years and take all of these courses that don't lend a hand to that dream of mine. And then I found a uh, a college back home in Canada where it was two years of television broadcasting and you were taught by people in the industry, which mm. helped me a great deal because I loved it. Makes you connect with it, it right? Totally. And then because I was good at it, my professors who were in the industry took notice of that and I got a job very quickly right out of school. So, you know, I guess the the bottom line is do what you love to do, follow your passion. I don't say quit school, but you know, for me, that was Find that the was path the path that works for you, right. absolutely. And a lot of people will say to me, like I have friends uh, who have children that are, you know, going to university or college, um, and they're like, "Oh, my son, my daughter wants to take a year off." It's like, you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing because they'll go out into the mm-hmm. workforce and realize that's tough. Uh, and maybe they'll kind of figure out that maybe they do have to go back to mm-hmm. school uh, to learn something. I took a semester off between high school and college, uh, not really by choice. Mm. My mom actually needed surgery, and so I chose to stay home and, and help take care of her. And I got, you know, a, a 40-hour-a-week job at a yeah. retail store, took care of her, got a job. And I knew that I was going to go to school in, you know, the the end of the semester, but... 
man, it, it made me realize I was like, whoa, this is some really it's tough, tough work. Yes. I'm excited to to go put those tough hours on on where I really want my career path to go. Yep. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. So tell me about your family. Uh, you know, your dad, obviously, with his service, that's tremendous. And and I, and I you are su- from such an incredible serving family. Uh, I mean, I know that from the fire department. Sean's dad was a firefighter. His brother is a police detective. So it is like a serving kind it of is. heart. You have mm-hmm. to have that passion to do that kind of work. Absolutely. And to do it... Um for that long. Mm-hmm. So my dad did his full 25 years, retired Colonel Air Force. My stepmom did her whole 25-year career, retired Lieutenant Colonel in the Air wow. Force. Um, my dad's dad retired from the Air Force. Yeah. My great uncle, you know, was a general in the Army. I mean, it's just, there's something almost comforting and just inspiring about it. And I, I think just every person that has served in our family, it's just... I'm just so proud to be a part of it. And I've never directly served. I used to always say that I feel like God put me here to to serve as a dependent <laughs> because that's that is a job in itself. Yeah. I mean, being the kid of a military member and then also being a wife of a military member, there's a lot of a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And they can't do the work that they're doing without knowing that everything is okay. I mean, I'm blessed that my husband didn't have to go on a deployment that was in a war zone. Yeah, You know, he he didn't have to do that. And I can't imagine for the service members that, that are walking that path, you can't do that job if you think everything is falling apart at home. Yes, And so the home front is real important. And so for all of the wives and husbands that are supporting their service member, like hats off to them. And for the kiddos, like you're doing a great job and it's hard to have mom or dad gone. Yeah. How'd you meet your husband? Uh, first job out of college. <laughs> so my husband is also a meteorologist, okay, which makes it right. fun because when, like, for instance, this nor'easter, we actually were talking about how much snow we thought we were going to get at the house. Um, I think it kind of came in between both of our <laughs> forecasts and to say that we both won. Yeah, But it's fun because we're, we're both very passionate about it. And he also was one of those people that he loved it since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that we both share and we, and we love the science behind it and the forecasting behind it. So yeah, we met on our first job out of college and and thankfully he decided to move on to a different path because I can't imagine two broadcast meteorologists <laughs> I mean maybe like one of us could Sounds be like a reality exactly TV show. right maybe yeah. somebody could work the evening shift and somebody could work the morning shift but that would have been challenging um but yeah he's he still is he loves the weather and and it's fun because whenever we have big storms there's definitely a little competition when it comes mm-hmm. to forecasting so was it love at first sight it was not love at okay, first sight. Me too. I, me, um, me too. I was, you know, I was so focused on on making it happen because I I wanted this from such a young age. My first job out of college was um, with NBC. Mm-hmm. It was NBC Weather Plus, which no longer is, you know, in existence. But um, you know. I just, I wanted so badly to get on air and, and I started in a position that wasn't on air. And so my focus was just on that. 
And, um, and then, you know, God just threw him in my life and was like, kept throwing him there. And I was like, well, you know what? This guy's really nice. And he learned that I pretty much went to work, went back to my apartment in North Jersey where I could only afford to eat beans and rice and had no cable TV. And I literally, I had a a TV with a DVD player and I would just watch movies and that was it. So I'd go to work, I'd come home, watch a movie, have a bean burrito and then go to bed. And he's like, you're, you're in your twenties. Like you need to live life. Right. And so he invited me to hang out with his friends. Uh, Sounds like the same thing that happened with Sean and I. We started out as friends and we would hang out with his friends. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? You, you need to like find some people. Yes. You need to have something more than work. Yep. And so I started hanging out with him and his friends and then slowly and surely was just like, this guy makes me happy. Yeah. I know. And I it love was, it. It was his smile for me. Yeah. I don't Do you remember know. that moment too? Because I remember the moment because it was the same thing. I didn't like New York. I came to New York for a job, not here at Fox. And I was like, I hate this place. And it was the same thing. I would go to work. I would go mm-hmm. home. I would go to work. I would go home. And then we got set up by a friend of mine. Uh, they met in Hawaii. It's a long story. I've told it before, but Sean was on a, a surfing trip that he had always wanted to go on. 9-11 I had happened. I didn't know he was a surfer. Yes. And he learned in, on Long Island. Heaven's a surfer too. Yeah. I mean, there's good waves. Oh, absolutely. Right? So he went through 9-11 and lost all of his men that were working that day. He was not working, but he realized he needed to do some of the things he's always wanted to do. Absolutely. And one of them was go to Hawaii and surf. The surf was too high one day. He decided to go on a trail. He met my friends Leanne and Tony who were there on their honeymoon. How random. Yep. If if it wasn't for the weather and the high surf, right. we would have never met. It so was meant to be. I remember my friend Leanne saying, "You need to go meet him." I'm like, "No, I, I hate this place. I don't want to meet anybody. I don't." The Putting last up walls. thing, <laughs> right? Exactly, walls everywhere. But I did. I met him for breakfast, and then he would invite me out to go to things with his friends, and that's how. And I remember the moment we were at a Belgian uh, restaurant having fries and beer. And I remember going to the bathroom after, you know, after a couple of beers and some fries and going, oh, I really like him, this guy. I really like him. Yeah. I just remember. Do you remember that moment? I mean, I remember, you know, the moment that I knew that I loved him. Oh. And we were on the Jersey Shore and, you know, typical young 20s went to a bar on the Jersey Shore. That's what you do. <laughs> and we snuck out on the beach and... We were sitting on the beach and I was looking up at the moon. I was sitting next to him and I was like, I think I kind of love you. And he's like, I love you too. Oh, wow. Because that's a scary moment, right? And it was right there on the beach. And, um, you know, it it means so much to me. And and when we do get to travel back there, I'm like, oh. I look at the kids, I'm like, that's where mommy and daddy said I love oh, you for the first time. That's incredible. And now you're back in New Jersey, correct? Uh, we live in the metro area, yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of family in Jersey, so it's nice because we get to see them a right. lot, which is great. Like, he's born and raised here, so being so close and having that access and being able to get back there yes. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great. Three kids. Yes. Tell me about them. <laughs> uh, totally obsessed with my children, by the way. But like any mom, you know, total supporter of like needing to have your own time. That's for sure. Of course. But um, I mean, I love my kids and my boys are, are two years apart. Uh, I have a middle schooler, elementary schooler. And then we had our little 
our our little princess in Houston during a tropical storm. She Which was one? born um Imelda. Oh wow. She was born I went into labor during Imelda, I gave birth to her during storm coverage watching my chief. I was like, this is like very oh, appropriate wow. for, like a, for a meteorologist <laughs> to have a baby during a tropical storm. And then we got um, flooded into the Texas Med Center. I remember my husband was home with the boys and I was waiting for him to pick us up because we had been discharged. I was like, you need to come get us. I mean, I want to come home with her. And he's like, the beltway is flooded. Oh, I remember. I, I lived like, in Houston. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. And there's no way you're going to no. get in and out of the med center. It, it's You can't do yep. it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we were discharged and we're like, you know, hanging out in the room. The nurses were so sweet. They're like, we know you can't do anything, so just stay here. Aww. They're like, I, I just hung out until until the water went down, and then they came to get me. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I love my kiddos, but there's a big gap. Like, I know what it's like to have, you know, two babies pretty much. I mean, they're two years apart, so I've had, you know, a toddler with a newborn, and then there's six to eight years between our daughter and the boys. And so it's kind of neat because I've gotten a taste of both, and to see – my boys with my daughter is really, really special because I realize like they're gonna remember her as a baby. Yeah. And me and my brother and sister, we're all two years apart. So I don't remember my brother as a baby. Yeah. I just remember us as the three musketeers. We've always been the same age, like fighting the dawn of time. <laughs> right. And it's really neat because I just see how much they they love and adore her. And then she thinks that she's just like them. Mm. So she's like, I can roll with the guys. And she <laughs> I, I love it. It's been, it's been, you know, huge. Huge blessing, and I'm so thankful for my kids. I'm so thankful for my husband. It's just, I, I, they are what makes me breathe and walk, and they are my heartbeat. Yep, I get it. I totally understand that feeling. Um, there is something. Listen, being a working mom, I know we always get this question of how do you balance it at all? You know how. <laughs> How do you do everything? Right. The and truth is we don't. Right. <laughs> Honestly, exactly. can we just be real? Let's be real. You, you don't. No, you don't. Every day you feel like you either have <laughs> failed as a parent, <laughs> failed as a wife, or yeah. failed as a coworker. But you know what? I feel like if I get up every morning and I do my very best to do all that I can with that time, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for yourself. That's right. And are there benchmarks that I wish that I would have gotten to? Of, of course. You know, I I want to make sure that I'm the very best mom I can be. But I know that I'm loving them the very best I can do. And yeah. every waking hour I know is is dedicated to making their lives full. Mm-hmm. And what else can you expect from yourself than that? That's right. And you have such a, a supportive spouse, and that's really important. Yes. Oh, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. I mean, my partnership with Kevin, I just told him the other day, you know, we were, we were sitting in the car together, and I was like, I, you are what makes me breathe. Aw. And it's true. And people might listen to me like, oh, this. No, uh. I love that. But it it's true. Like, I could not do this without him. Yes. I could not. Yeah. Our family cannot function. And it's not just him. It's it's us. Yeah. It is it is me and him as a team. Mm-hmm. And marriage is not easy. We'll be married 13 years in May. And you know, it's it's a commitment. It's waking up every day and saying, You're the one I pick. Yes. I choose you. I choose us. I choose our family unit. 
And that is my conscious decision that I am making for today. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. It's Autism Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and I know you're very vocal about one of your children being autistic, and I, I'm very proud of you about that. That's it's it's obviously a hard thing, but by you speaking out and talking about your situation, it definitely helps others. And I'm a big person about sharing that kind of thing mm-hmm. to connect to people. Tell me about him. And I commend you for doing the same thing when it comes to MS, Mm. you know, and I think it's important. There's things in life that are really tough. And I really struggled with the idea of if I wanted to be public or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was diagnosed at two and, you know, we were living in Houston. Obviously, I was, you know, a local meteorologist, had some sort of platform. And I really struggled because my husband is extremely private. He's very private. Same with Sean. Yeah. And I wanted to respect him, but also I wanted to respect our child because at the time, a two-year-old. And and even to this day at at their current age, you know, they're not making that choice. I am. Right. You know, and so I've always tried to keep it in my own lane as a mom, as my story, how it's impacted me and what I can share from my perspective to help other people. Yeah. And so I always try and be really respectful to, to keep it in that lane. Um, but at the end of the day, how it started was I wrote kind of a love letter and just randomly put it on Facebook on April 1st. And he he was three at the time. And I gave my executive pro- producer heads up and my team a heads up. I was like, hey, I'm going to post this. It, it's pretty emotional. And, and it was just a love letter. And in it, it didn't even talk about him. It didn't talk about me so much until the end. But in it, I was just like saying, you know, to to the grandparents that are trying to connect with their grandkid, you can do this. Wow. To, to the parent that's trying to help their child find their words, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And I went through all the different perspectives of being a therapist, being a sibling. And at the end, I was like, and for the little boy that struggles to find their words, I will be the one to find your words. Mm. Wow. And it makes me choke up even I'm, thinking about it because yeah. it, it is emotional. And it's tough because autism is so unique and there's they call it a spectrum for a reason yeah and since I've become public you know there have been tough moments because you know there there is a wide spectrum and and unfortunately what I found is that some pieces of the community everybody's goal is to gain acceptance but but sometimes you can find some adversity within the community if that makes sense mm. and and it's tough because it is so wide you you have people on the spectrum that are blessed with these amazing abilities that they're independent and they're able to communicate yes. and then you do have adults that are on the spectrum that you know they they are tied to their caregiver yes. and and they're not independent and they might not you know have abilities that other people do so it's it's a very challenging um diagnosis because there is such a wide spectrum but it's something that I do like to share because I know the struggles that I've been through and I know the things that have helped me as a parent everything that has been helpful to me has been something a parent has told me wow it has not been you know yes I found tidbits from professionals and doctors that have been great but to be quite honest the things that have impacted me and helped me the most have been things that other parents have shared. So if I can say something and share something that connects with somebody else and I can maybe 
help somebody in that way, then it's worth me opening up my heart and sharing how it's impacted me, even if it means I might get, you know, a comment that really dig deeps that that hurts me personally. If that is at the benefit of helping somebody else, then it's worth it. I feel the same. Because it's hard to open up. And I'm sure you've seen comments with what you're open with, too. Of course. And, it, and it's hurtful because it's not just something that you're putting your hat on. It's something that this is you. Like right. this is your heart. Yeah. And when you read that comment, it's not just, oh, well, I care about this group. This is this is your heart yeah. that you're getting that comment on. And I understand because, and I remember the feeling of, okay, I'm going to go on television. I'm going to tell this story. And I was just so nervous about it for many different reasons. One of them being is I was told not to tell people, like Mm -hmm. to hide it, that it was going to impact me in a negative way. Um, And the same thing is, you know, MS is a very, no two people have the same MS, right? So I've been doing Knockwood relatively well over the last 18 years. Um, And there are people that go downhill and are in wheelchairs and don't Mm -hmm. do well. And so I understand that you will get like, but you look so you look like you're doing great, you know, and it I always say it's the my you look so well disease because you can look good on the outside. But it's Mm -hmm. really it's a thunderstorm going inside of your central nervous system. So, yeah, it it varies in different people. So I I understand that. Mm -hmm. But the good parts have been overwhelmingly positive. And worth it. Yeah. So when did you start to see the the differences in him? Um, you know, pretty close to him being a year old. Okay. Um, it did help that we had another child. So yes. I had recently been through the milestones of what I experienced with my first kid. And I don't know if I would have picked up on things as quickly if we didn't have that under our hat. But, you know, it didn't respond to his name, would spend hours looking at books, very happy baby, extremely happy. Yeah. But, um, you know, having to wait a long time to hear words and, and I'm thankful that I've heard the words because there's a lot of parents that haven't, like he has grown so much and I'm so proud of him. And, but I remember the first time he was two, he, that was the first time. And I, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was, I was sitting in our living room in Texas up against a back window and he was on my lap and he looked at me and he like looked at me and said, mommy, Uh, like mama. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm so thankful for it because there are many families that will not have that. And so that's one thing that my experience has taught me is to be so thankful for the things that you have Mm -hmm. because they are a huge blessing. Yeah. And um, it's he's made me a better person. He's made me a better parent. I definitely think that I parent my other children um, at, at a different level if I hadn't been through the experience. Uh, but it's it's tough, and some days are really tough, and it's it's a disability that sometimes, like as a parent, like I think my husband and I sometimes feel really isolated, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it there's a lot of autistic people, yeah, you know. But for some reason, like you you can just feel like you're you're in it alone, yeah, and it's tough. It's just it it can be really tough. What do you tell people that go through it? Um. <sighs> Really stay close to your partner that's in it. Okay. I think that that's extremely important. Um, There's a high 
likelihood of divorce when it comes to parents with special needs children, no matter what the disability yeah. is, um, we have a higher rate of divorce. And I would not be able to be the mom that I am without Kevin. Yeah. I just wouldn't be able to. And um, I think it's important to find the people that you know that you can depend on and stay close to them. Mm-hmm. And also... Give yourself some grace. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, every part of my day, I feel my wheels are just turning and my brain is going towards how can I help get my children to their potential, their full potential, and help them be successful? And that's one thing that, you know, being a parent of an autistic child has taught me is that success has a lot of different definitions. Yes. Our idea of like success being, you know, you go through school and then you go to college and you get a job. It's way bigger than that. Right. And somebody else's success of looking different than that does not make it any less, you know, strive for getting your child to their full potential and them being happy. Yeah. What about his siblings? How how are they with with him? You know, it's interesting because obviously my little one yeah. is so young. Uh-huh. So it's been sweet to see their relationship grow. Mm-hmm. I remember like when when he first came to meet her in the hospital, his like face. I actually have the picture hanging up on oh. our wall because his face just lit up like, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> and so it's been cute to see their relationship develop and and they they play these games together. They're so imaginative because he's able to tap into this imagination that's really, really pure and and wonderful and inspiring. And then my older one is is incredible. I mean, he is his best friend. Wow. And, you know, for a middle schooler, I'm just so proud of how he approaches life. He's definitely more mature than your typical middle schooler. Um, I think that he is such an incredible person and his whole life, he has only known his brother as his brother. Yeah. They're two years apart. Mm-hmm. So that's what he has known. And um, I just, I'm so proud of him. I think he's an incredible kid. And he's the first one to, sometimes I have to remind him, like, you don't have to be a mini therapist. You can just be a kid right now. <laughs> uh, because he does, he takes the extra opportunity. Like, he knows that his friends are his brother's friends. So he takes the opportunity like, hey, can you try and pass me that puck again? Because I'm going to try and pass it to him. And, you know, and middle school is a tough age, you know, and and, and it's no knock against any middle school. It's just tough. And um, he he just he blows me away every day because he he takes the time. And that's probably what I would encourage people if you don't have somebody autistic in your life and, and you happen to come across somebody that's autistic. Just slow down and take your time. Mm. You know, follow their lead. And I just want people, you know, it it goes back to the basic rule of the golden rule. Everybody wants to be treated with kindness. Everybody wants to be loved, wants to be accepted, wants to be heard. You know, autistic people are exactly the same. Yeah. You know, they— Every every human wants the same thing. And so if you're in a public situation and you see something that might seem odd to you, 
take a deep breath and, and give them credit. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, um, you know, now it's tough because my child is getting older. And so when they were younger and might be having like a sensory overload moment and kind of and losing, you know, their marbles in a public setting, it was like, oh, well, it's a little kid. But like little kids turn into big kids. Yes. And then, you know, you're not. And that terrifies me every day. Like when what happens when I go from the cute autistic kid to the ad- adult autistic? Yeah. Um. And I'm I'm not scared of it because of how I look at it. I'm nervous about the world because mm. I feel like the world needs to open up their hearts sometimes. Well, that's why, you know, having conversations like this is so important. You know, like what mm-hmm. you're doing is a, a really good service um, to other parents who are going through similar situations. And I think if we all listen to that kind of advice, uh, the world would probably be a better place. Mm-hmm. And he's lucky to have you guys as parents. I mean, that's... He's very blessed. How does faith factor into your life and upbringing? You know, I feel like faith is a very personal thing. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know if I really like fall into a specific religious background because mm-hmm. like as a military family, my mom used to always joke. She's like, when we got to a base, I would pick the church that had the best cry room. <laughs> because like she had three kids that were two years apart. So like, you know. I mean, the Merwin kids, they're probably like, we probably get on the plane and they're like, oh, I'm going to go pick the other the other aisle to go sit in. <laughs> but, you know, I I find that my walk with God is very personalized and and I can't characterize it as anything else. Like, I, I know what it means to me and I know my relationship with it and I know how it helps me. Yep. And for me, it makes a profound impact. And I... I think it's just different for everybody, yeah. whether you're one that feels like it's it's a family unit thing. But for me, in the tough times that I have personally have, knowing that there's something bigger than me and someone that I can talk to that knows me better than any any other entity, that's what gets me through tough times. Yeah. And and I'm being very honest with this that it is a it is like just a personal thing yeah. for me and and I don't know what to label it. I just know that um when I go through tough times that's what brings me comfort mm-hmm. and uh it's something that that I do need because yeah. I I truly believe that I've been put into this life and this scenario for a very specific reason. And I look back at different things that have happened in my life and it just pulls together and it makes sense. I'm like, I understand why I went through this because this has led me to that. That's right. I feel the same way. And it is Mm -hmm. different for every other person. But sometimes it is nice to know that you kind of put it into something bigger, the hands of something bigger than you, and Mm -hmm. that sometimes can give you solace, right? Absolutely. That there is a reason why we're going down this path. So tell me about Fox Weather and the awesome (laughs) job that you are doing in the mornings. I I always say the toughest part of the job is actually getting up. Yes. (laughs) The rest of it is pretty good. Uh, (laughs) My alarm clock goes off at 1.30. You know, I've been a broadcast meteorologist for 15 years, always been on a morning show. Wow. I don't know. I guess it just works out, which is funny because I was the kid that you couldn't get out of bed. So everybody's like, how does this work? I'm like, well, when you think about it, the morning met is really the night owl because I get up at 1.30. Yep. I mean, but I just, I don't know. Morning shows are just fun. You have a lot of personality. I just think that they have a lot more life to them. But Fox Weather is amazing. I, I remember when they first, you know, 
came on the scene and I first started talking to Fox, it's kind of like being given the meteorology candy shop. And they're like, just walk through. Like, they're like, oh, look, we have automated snow totals that come out of like fairy rainbow clouds. I'm like, I don't have to check 10 different NWS list offices. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Like what we have at our fingertips because of the group of scientists. Mm -hmm. And when you walk through our floor, I'm just so impressed by the group of scientists. Like we have an amazing on-air staff and you see us on TV, but when you walk through our floor, like we are a force. Yes. I mean, the company is big and we have amazing, brilliant scientific minds. And it's neat because we all come from different parts of the country. And so, you know, I'm blessed in the fact that I've lived in most regions and forecasted in most regions. Probably Alaska would be the scariest when it comes to forecasting. (laughs) But if I ever have a question like, the Puget Sound Convergence Zone. Like, what? <laughs> I'm going to go find Craig Herrera, who he's I call amazing. him. Yeah, I'm like, he's the king of the Pac Northwest. <laughs> um, so it's nice because we have, you know, people that have a lot of experience in these areas that, you know, when you're a local Met, you you find these nitty gritty things. I yeah. mean, after seven years of being in Houston, man, I can do flooding in my sleep. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, so it's really neat to get all these masterminds put together. And, and it's I'm so proud of what we have accomplished in the time that we have been a company. I feel like we're providing a, com- um, a product to people that is really tangible. It's kind of bringing weather down to the kitchen table mm-hmm. because, you know, I, it's just scientific thing and and that's part of meteorology that I love is you're you are taking something that can be very complicated but making it easy for people to digest and apply to their life so their life can be better. Wow, that's perfect. That's a perfect definition of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, and listen, I love the scientific minds behind the meteorology, but to be quite honest, people would rather just say, okay, here's Here's what it's going to do today in yeah. your neighborhood. And they yeah. don't really need the scientific explanation. People want to know, am I going to show up to after school pickup and have like rain Yes, when I'm picking up my kid after yeah. school? Yeah. They, they want to know how it's going to impact their life. And uh, so I just, I love working with Fox, whether it's a great group of people, the energy is just insanity. Like people are just so excited to be part of the group and it's... It's incredible. I mean, it's it's really invigorating. And you it's do a great job. Of. You do a good job. Thank you. You do. And we love being with you. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was kind of a selling point, too. They're like, so you might breathe the same air as James. Oh, Britta. <laughs> My goodness. Again, I feel like I'm blushing. But that be, listen, when you told me that, it just made me feel really good because, you know, we, we get into this business because we do want to communicate a message, mm-hmm. be good at it, uh, you know, the, to the, think about influencing young women that want to get into this business. I mean, man, that's hard to even, it brings tears to my eyes. That's really important. I mean, I think, and I think it's part of the reason why, because at first, like, I kind of wanted to be a storm chaser. I mean, Twister came out at the perfect <laughs> time of my childhood. Yeah. I was like, Dude, I'm building Dorothy and I am hopping on I-70 and let's go. Like I was ready to go. Um, But I didn't really – I was actually terrified of talking in front of people. Mm. 
I mean, really? yeah, I was so terrified about it. And uh, just to share like a little secret, I hope Chatfield Senior High in, in Littleton, Colorado isn't listening, but I actually, I'm not one to condone lying, lying, but I made so many lies about not feeling well to get out of a senior speech that finally my teacher was like, look, I get it. Oh, wow. She's like, I get that you're terrified. You're a really smart kid. Just I'll give you a pass fail. Like, we're done. Don't worry about it. Because I had so much anxiety. Like, she could see, like, how torn up I was about it. And I didn't really come out of my shell until I went to Stony Brook. And I joined the cheerleading squad. Never cheered in my whole life. Yeah. But they didn't really have – they had, like, four girls. And they're like, we need anybody that can keep a beat. And I did color guard. I was like – I can I can dance. I've thrown flags. I can throw girls. Why not? <laughs> yeah. If I can throw a, a wood rifle, you can teach me how to throw a human. And so I, it was a great opportunity because I got to learn this whole new sport, but also it got me out of my shell. Wow. You know, when you're having to cheer in front of people at a sporting event, yeah. it really does open you up. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this and this is fine and I'm okay. And then that's what kind of opened my eyes to broadcasting. And then I interned and that is kind of like what sparked the fire. But um, do you still get nervous? It depends. Um, First time I filled in for you on Fox and Friends first. (laughs) Absolutely. I was nervous, but in an excited way, like my nervous feelings are always with super excitement. Also, I'm somebody that it takes me a while to to feel comfortable in my surroundings and, and to feel comfortable with a new group of friends. Okay. And so at first I get kind of nervous. And then once I've been with a group for like six months, I feel like, okay, now I can like kind of take a breath and, yes. and really like let it go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, I think something that else that drove me to this career was the fact that there isn't a lot of women. Yeah. I mean, I've never been on a team with two female meteorologists until mm. Fox Weather. And... To be quite honest, like the idea of doing something that not a lot of women do was exciting. I was like, dude, I totally want to do it and be like, ha, <laughs> I Cal got four, this. I ate that for breakfast. <laughs> you know, like I loved the idea of being able to being able to do that. And and I, you know, I applaud girls for for shooting for the stars when it comes to careers that are male dominated. Um, and I think a lot more women are, are going into sciences, and I, I think it's amazing. And and now that I'm a mom of a daughter, like, I do think about it. I mean, of course I tell her, oh, you're beautiful. But I consciously and do make a choice to make more comments about other things. And I started this with my nieces. My nieces are the same age as my oldest, um, my oldest son. And when my sister had the twins, I consciously thought about how I spoke to them. And it's not that I don't want them to know that they're beautiful, but I felt like when I was growing up, there were so many comments about what I looked like. It's like, oh, you know, you're so pretty and blah, blah, blah. And and I think I just wanted – I wanted my comments to my nieces to be about other things. So I was like, wow, that was really funny. Or I love how hard you worked on on that project. You know, and 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 I will tell my daughter that, and I do tell her that she's beautiful because she is. Yeah. But I do make a conscious effort to make comments in other lines because I do think it starts as you're early. Yes. A, as a little kid. Yep. You know, it it does form these brain connections, and I and I want her to automatically think, like I'm I'm more than just what is presented on the outside. That's perfect. So I feel the same way. I mean, it wasn't too long ago when I turned forty. 
I thought, I have a shelf life and I'm right there right now. <laughs> and now I'm going to be 53 and I'm like, I'm just going to keep shattering glass ceilings. Go I'm just going to keep going uh, as long as there's good lighting. Uh, <laughs> and thank goodness for our, our lighting is incredible. <laughs> and our hair and makeup team. We love you. They are well, They're amazing. the best, right? Yeah. I mean, we could go on about our hair and makeup people because they really are. We probably have the best glam squad in we the do. business. And they listen to us in the morning. They listen to our problems. I mean, gosh, yeah. they're like our therapists and our hair and makeup magicians. Melasma, no problem. <laughs> I'll cover it. Hormonal breakout, I got it. Oh, totally. <laughs> Britta, it's been such a pleasure. And uh, and to be continued, because you really are a beautiful person inside and out. And you Thank have you a James. wonderful way about you. And, uh, and you know, keep spreading the message. Uh, I think it's important, you know, I've learned over the years that people trust you more when you do share other things mm-hmm. outside of the map, right? Yes. And so I think what you're doing with autism awareness is really important. And I thank you for that because yeah. you're going to help a lot of people. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And definitely I just encourage everybody that hears this, you know, raise your kids to be kind. Yes. yes. It, it is an easy choice. If you show them that way, that's what they're going to know. And, you know, take that moment to to slow down and connect and, you know, just spread love. Yep. What you want is what somebody else wants, no matter if they're, you know, have a special ability or not. Like, everybody just wants to be loved. That's it. That's the message. Thank you, my love. Thank you. You're the best. Thanks again to Britta for joining me today. She really is a wonderful human being. You can check Britta out on Fox Weather every morning starting at 6 a.m. on Fox Weather Sunrise. And if you don't have the Fox Weather app, you really should get it. I'm not just a saleswoman. I am a consumer. And it's the best weather app out there. You can check it out at foxweather.com. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.